All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in 8 p.m. Man, I feel like we just left from last night's show. It went so fast. Paul Nolan's with me. Mr. Nolan, it's just me and you, kid. I like it, man. I'll keep those other guys down finally. We're going to work. <laughs> keep the door locked, G. That's it. It's me, me, <laughs> me and Paul just going to... Um, <laughs> there you go. It's just... Me and Paul are going to go all night. So now Slick Rick will be here. Uh, he's uh, got a meeting, and uh, Rick Delgado's son has a basketball game, so he'll be here after that. So me and Paul will kick it off. we got plenty to talk about. So how are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. Uh, you think this uh, You think this time is uh, for good with Brady? Definitely. Or you think he's going to be looking for that? <laughs> Let's see who's in first with six games to go. Put, <laughs> put the old you body through. <laughs> how many farewell tours did the Rolling Stones do? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all of them. Yeah. I saw the Rolling Stones first, third, sixth, seventh, ninth farewell tour. <laughs> uh, I'm done. I'm not going anymore. You think uh, you think this one's for sure? Well, here's where I, I look I at. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, he knows there's 25 million guaranteed on the table. He knows he could pick one of four or five teams that have a good offensive line and, and skilled position guys where he would fit in instantly. Um, if he didn't have any intention of, of playing. He would have, if he had some intention, I should say, he, he would have just held off. He would have waited and waited and waited and even made jokes about, you know, this being his second one. Yeah. I really think this was a spite talk because his wife told him he had to do it. She's the one who leaked the news to Adam Schefter. He didn't make the decision yet. So I think out of spite is why he did it. He knew they were on the rocks. She was, uh, you know, seeing other people, which is not good for a marriage from what I understand. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Spouses frown on that. He looked, uh, he looked really he did look truly emotional today. It looked like he was really holding back. Yeah. It's crazy the hate, right? He's had quite you... the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite the year. Feel bad for and, him uh, and, and his kids. I mean, I, it's, it's a rough situation. They seemed you know, like I said they that were, today. Yeah, they seemed like they were really good for so long, and then all of a sudden just, man, boom. Yeah. Yeah, I said that today. I said I feel bad for him. So, oh, he's a multi-billionaire. He's a human being, dude. He's yeah. a human. You could see, you can almost see the hurt in his eyes today. Honestly, I really, I really came across like when he got to that, when he wanted to thank his family, he kind of started yeah. to choke it up, and it was, it really seemed heartfelt. I don't know, maybe I'm just a sap, which is definitely possible, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a sap too. Yeah, seemed uh, hard. Look, what, is, what, what more do we want from these celebrities, right? These, these guys of public life. I mean, he's done everything right. He's had no, almost no controversy under the lens of really. No, no matter who you lens. talk to on him, he's like the. Every player who's ever dealt with him said he was the most genuinely good guy. I'll never forget last, before the Tampa Bay Super Bowl, they were asking people questions about him. And this one guy is like, guy, I was on the practice squad and how he remembered my name was beyond me. I, I met him once and he knew who I was and remembered a play I made in a, in, in pre, in, 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 in like a preseason training camp thing. Yeah. He's just, a, you know, he's a good teammate, good man. And, uh, yep. Well, know. uh, we wish him luck. Obviously I'm whatever he's going to do. Obviously he's going to do well. He's going to get paid a gazillion dollars. So he's got, uh, whatever he got, the, he's got the world at his feet as they say still. So, yeah. um, glad everybody's in seeing the getter chat all fired up. Say hello to everybody there. I want to thank everybody who joined me this afternoon for our live stream of the feds FOMC decision and, um, Jerome Powell's press conference afterwards. And I guess that's a good place to start because um, it was quite the afternoon. If you watched with me, you know how taken aback I was by how uh, bullish and dovish the Fed chairman was. Every opportunity he had to lean into 
being more hawkish uh, about what they were going to do. He didn't take the bait. Uh, consistently talked about inflation coming down. Consistently talked about a deflationary period clearly starting that they're seeing. Um, even changed some word wording in some of the kind of, you know, the wording that they always use in every single meeting. He changed a couple of really important things when it looks, when it, as it relates to rate hikes going forward. I think there's almost no doubt when we get the, the Fed minutes for this meeting that they just had, which we'll get next month. It's like it's on a 30-day lag, like everything these people do. We're going to see that in that meeting, I think we're going to see that they discussed maybe halting rate hikes now. Because he, he zigged and zagged a couple times as he was asked about rate hikes going forward. And uh, I think we're going to see, when we see the Fed minutes for this meeting next month, we're going to see that they talked about the possibility of stopping these rate hikes right here. Now, what does this mean for you? Well, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean a lot of great news right now for us. Mortgage rates are still high. If you're carrying credit card balances, they just got a little bit higher. If you're looking to buy a house, they just got a little bit higher. If you're looking to buy a, a car, they just got a little bit higher. So um, the expense to borrowing money is not going to be dropping anytime soon. So there's, so there's that. So to us, this quarter point raise, even though it was only a quarter point, still makes everything a little bit more expensive. So we're not feeling any relief, which, of course, is what we all care about. But in the long term, if inflation is quite, in fact, coming down at the rate that it seemingly is, and we are heading into a deflationary period like I got the sense he thought today. Because remember, he wants markets to think they're going to remain as hawkish as possible. He does not want to see economic conditions loosen. He does not want to see the stock market rallying 300 points. He does not want to see the S&P rally 258 points during his speech today. He does not want to see the two-year Treasury yield go from 422 to 408 while he's speaking. Because that's the bond market saying, you're done, pal. We see it. We know. You can't go any higher than, you're, than you've already gone without risking some uh, real problems here to the financial markets. And the Fed usually follows the two-year, which right now is in the low fours. He's already at four and a half with the rate hike today. So we are effectively in restrictive territory, meaning that the federal funds rate at 4.5 is above where core inflation is, the inflation that they actually use as their barometer, which right now annualized is 3.9%. The one that the Fed uses, not the one we get for CP, CPI. It obviously is still in the sixes. But the one that they use, minus food and energy, the core is annualized right now at 3.9, which means with the federal fund rate of 4.5, we're, we're officially in restrictive territory. So it's my feeling after listening to him today that this may be very well may be the last rate hike we get. And now the question becomes, how long can they let it sit here before they have to start thinking about cutting rates by quarter points? Which they, he said today, there's no chance they would think about that this year. Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Unemployment, we'll keep an eye on. Other things, obviously, that they'll keep an eye on. But overall, my take on the Fed today, extremely bullish if you're in the market and especially if you're in risk assets. 
We looked at gold today in the live stream. Gold has made a 20% run uh, from the low of the last few months. Uh, we looked at, obviously, other risk assets. Bitcoin has made like a 40% run. Other things have run. So um, if you're in the markets and you're in to look into get, jump back in, if, you're, if you've been out, today was certainly a good day. And let's hope that the deflationary period that he talked about multiple times today, he referenced it multiple times, how the deflationary period that they're starting to see in certain places is clearly happening. Clearly, he's seeing that what they're doing is working, even though they obviously work on a lag. Um, and the specific thing that caught my attention was the, let me see if I can find the specific um, sentence he used. He said, um, our focus is not on short-term moves, but on sustain, uh, sustained changes. And then he said, the one word change from the pace of future rate hikes, and they changed the word pace to the extent of future hikes, tells you that they've probably thought about pausing right now. So that just one word change is what, what everybody picked up at. So did you watch any of it, Paul? I didn't get a chance to today, but it's, I'm glad to get your, uh, your take on it. So, you know, you got the stuff covered inside and out. Every time he had a chance to be hawkish, which is what I, even though deep down, I didn't think that they were going to raise, I never thought they'd get this high. So number one, I've been wrong because I never thought they'd even get into maybe the mid threes with the debt being at $31 trillion. So number one, I haven't been right about that. But now that we are where we are, I just can't imagine they could get to five. The interest payments on the debt will be more than we spend on defense of the nation, the defense budget pretty soon. I mean, we're going to be in the trillions of dollars spent in the budget to just to pay the debt. I mean, it really gets to a point where we've got some, I mean, it's a serious issue. It is a seriously, serious strategic issue. You know, when we, got, when we got to like 15 trillion, I thought, you know, we're going insolvent, you know, and we got to 18, 19, like, how, how do we sustain this? When it got to 23, I'm, all I'm thinking to myself is, how, how is this possible? Like, and I remember talking to, you know, people in an old group and, you know, one of the people that was a real economist and we talked about what would be the consequence of essentially defaulting on the debt and just creating a new currency. And the discussion lasted about two months with no real answer. And there were a lot of people in that group who had backgrounds in, you know, in, you know, in, in economics that said, well, the good faith and the sweat of the American people and the good faith, if there was a U.S. Treasury note was born out of the destruction of the Federal Reserve note and it was backed by, you know, the U.S., people and buy a basket of currencies, not just gold, not just silver, because they didn't want the manipulation of the plutocrats to control the currency. But if it was a basket of all commodities, it could be done in a way that you could just basically essentially tell the central banking system to beat it, but no one's got the keones to do that. Um, I just wish we had a guy like Walter E. Williams where we could ask him that question. I wish we could talk to a you know, real, you know, someone from Mises Institute. You know where we can ask them what would happen when that happened, and I, I would just love to get the expert opinion on that. And if you know any economists who we can bring on and ask what would actually happen, and the answers I've gotten in my lifetime have been staggeringly different. Everyone, it's it's, no one has a great answer for it because it's who do you who who's who are we beholden to? A central bank that has 
no allegiance to anyone or anything. D. So I'm I'm just curious. You know, really, it's all it's the good faith of the American people's work ethic and ingenuity that it covers the debt. You know, that covers the value of all currency. So I'm just curious if you have an opinion on that because. I think it's a discussion that needs to be had again at the highest levels. I mean, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is a question about if, if the dollar is going to be the um, reserve currency of the world anytime soon or not be the reserve currency anytime soon, and we would get off dollars. I, I can't imagine that conversation being that I'm long, so I don't think it could ever new, happen. I'm talking about a, a, a different form of a U.S. dollar. It's not a Federal Reserve note. But like Bitcoin. No, no, like, you know, like what Kennedy tried to do in 1961, you know, it was a a U.S. Treasury note. It was backed by the people. And so you didn't have to buy bonds to buy Federal Reserve notes. You could just simply issue the credit and the currency directly from the government itself without having to use the third party entity. But we have have to go to break. So maybe we'll pick this up another time. We'll pick it up in three minutes. It's me and you, kid. All right, live from Studio 6B. Lots to do, actually. We'll get into this, um, ooh, the big news, the raid on Biden's house. Come on, stop. Uh, We'll get into that. Lots to do on a Wednesday night. B on a Wednesday night, 17 past the hour. Me and Mr. Nolan hanging out. Gio and Fran holding it down as always. Good to see everybody in the getter chat. Hammer Chuck, Brady Cat 75, Tommy Vipe. Tommy Dr. Vipe was with Tom me this morning. House. Who, who, Paul? Ginger, Dr. Tom, Remnant. Yep, PZ Remnant. Hall. Mod 2 on the case tonight Rem- as well. Love Good her. to see everybody in the getter chat. And I want to thank everybody for joining me on the live stream this afternoon. If you know, I hope you watched my video this morning on the State of the Union coming up and my thoughts on that. And actually, your th- is really more about your thoughts on that because the Gallup poll that just came out um, says a staggering number of Americans right now think that actually government is obviously more the problem and Biden administration is more the problem than the solution. So that's what he's got going into the State of the Union, uh, the feeling of the American public. Not good. So... And and most think that this document scandal is a scandal and that it's not been held well, uh, handled well, clearly, even in his own party. And we'll get to what happened today because, I mean, I don't want to jump into, I'll do some news with Paul here, but I mean, I turn on the news we, this morning and it's all, oh, it's big breaking news. Oh, right, right. going to know, the Rehoboth Beach House. You I'm know, thinking, last night. Yeah. Last night, I, I, I did say that they've been kind of like acting like this isn't that big a deal. But then I did get a chance to watch the news when I was visiting mom. You know, all she has is mainstream TV. And I was like, wow, this is on it. And it was more pronounced than I had thought it was. Yeah. So I stood corrected on that. And all I kept thinking to myself was if the mainstream media is turning on Biden this much, it's just got to be that to me, I still believe that powers that be make decisions that I don't believe he's really a pup. And I think he's a Manchurian candidate. And I just think he just. You know, I just think he's the Billy Mays pitch man, so forgive me for that, but I don't think he's making any discernible decisions. And I think the powers that run the, you know, the real powers, the the, 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 
real hierarchy is just saying, look, man, we told you, you ain't running. Stop telling people you're running. You're, you're a moron. You've been a disgrace to the, to what we've trying to do here. And, um, we want to, we want to fill this spot with somebody better. And that's why they keep leveraging them with this DOJ work. That's just what it feels like to me. Like they can't, I mean, he can't run. I mean, they, they get on, they could put an old leather shoe up against him and it's going to win. Well, how they, I mean, you could be right, Paul. I don't know. I hear a lot of talk. I mean, we played a couple of the clips. You see the distinction between Biden and Kamala when people are asked about it. When it comes to Biden, they immediately say, yeah, he should run. He's getting a lot done. Look at everything he's getting done. Infrastructure and Reduction Act and all. He's getting all this done. What do you think about Kamala? Well, I'll leave that up to Joe to decide. So there's a <laughs> distinction between even Democrats when they're asked about it. They all support Joe. Now, you could be right, and maybe there's overlords. Ron Klain leaving still to me raises a big red flag about what's going on in the inside because there, there's anyone there that knows Biden well, that knows what's going on and, and knows what may be coming, it's Ron Klain. And the fact that he's looking for, he took the exit today, officially, I believe. Today was his last day. And I think that's part of our crazy town. I don't know. The Ron Klain thing leaving says something to me that it's kind of like the uh, George Santos thing. Him, him I uh, hear this news that he's stepping down from his committees on his own. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I think basically he's stepping down because probably Kevin McCarthy and some of them already know what's coming and we don't and he does. So he's stepping down now so that in a week or two when we find out the next shoe to drop with this guy, it'll be already that he's already off the committees. But that's just my feeling on it. But it's the same thing with Biden. But my point about this morning is we hear this big news about the FBI showing up at his Rehoboth Beach house now. Like they, they, may, they almost tried to put it on par with the made-for-TV-style raid that Trump got, when, meanwhile, this was like a consensual search that he's probably known about for three weeks. So anything that was there, he's already moved, cleaned up, taken out, shredded, whatever. I'm thinking, we, any, does anyone think we're going to find anything at this, at this house now? Well, guess what? Of course we didn't. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think so. It either. was almost just... like a setup for them to be able to come out and go, hey, nothing was found. Like, that was the end goal, to be able to come out and have Andrea Mitchell tonight. Oh, uh, after an extensive search at the president's house, nothing, nothing Mark classified was found. And now, see, you have to parse the language again. And as uh, Chris Enlow says, carefully worded statement reveals FBI seized more documents from Biden property, this time his vacation home. So I'll get into that in parsing the language, but let's do some news right now. 21 past the hour and hear what that is, Paul Nolan. What's going on? Well, so you were talking about, you know, we talk about currency and I, I remember the story I saw uh, earlier today and I just, I just pulled it up real quick. I skimmed through it this morning. I'll just go through it. Lebanon deep devalued its official exchange rate for its currency for the first time in 25 years, weakening their dollar yeah. by 90%, I leaving local currency well below market value. Uh, the pound has crashed since the financial meltdown in 2019 after decades of corruption, um, prolific hate spending, and mismanagement uh, of ruling elite in Lebanon, which has left the crisis to fester despite soaring poverty. Does that sound like somewhere else you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's astounding because, you know, this... We're watching with the energy crisis, you know, this forced, you know, electric green, all it's doing is killing the, 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 the poorest people. It's destroying and bringing, drinking hell on the weakest and the poorest. So the upper middle class, you know, we'll survive. It will be fine. We'll come out the other side. Uh, but, you know, this is and, and they, they still vote for these people who have these policies. So 
I don't think I need to dwell on this too much, but the story is essentially saying I saw they've overspent. I retweeted it. I retweeted it and said, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, did you? Wow. And I hashtag okay. BTC when I did it. Yeah. Yeah, it's frightening. I mean, this is it's it, this is again. I mean, this is this tells you the real power of the bankers. They could just everything you saved your whole life is now worth nothing. They do that to our dollar. They've already done it to our dollar here. You know, someone today we were looking at a property to buy a home uh, to flip, and someone someone said to me, one of my guys who works for us, uh, tremendous handyman, Scotty Professor, I love him. Um, he's like, man, could you believe a house in Levittown will go for six hundred and twenty thousand? I go. Don't be fooled. This is not going for six twenty. That's the listing. I go, yeah. Well, it's going to sell for that, but it's probably really worth four hundred. And the problem is, the dollar's worth a third of what it was ten, twelve years ago. So yeah. essentially, you know, the dollar just has less power. So you got to really understand how the the crisis itself works. Uh, it was the same thing when real estate. Exactly. It's a. It was the same thing when everybody. This is why we, I used to scream and yell back in the Trump administration when real estate was ripping. Commodities were ripping, stocks were ripping, and he was complaining to the Federal Reserve that he wanted them to cut rates. And I said at the time, if we do that, we're going to have an inflation problem at some point. There's no reason to be cutting rates right now. We should be getting off of effectively zero that we were at then. Wasn't exactly zero, but we were like at under one. Rates were like yeah, it was a half and a quarter, and then and three quarters. Right. And he it's was complaining that, that he wanted the Fed to do more, and I'm thinking, do more. I know. Look, and at that point, right then and there, he could have really, if he would have brought the rates, if the rates would have went to one then, there'd be less pain now. Um, I don't know, because COVID obviously threw everything, yeah, well, you know, the Fed pivoted, obviously. Still the why Fed I got pivoted my in, in 19, because yeah. of, partly because of that pressure that he was feeling from the president and because he felt like he needed to. And then obviously COVID threw everything to hell, so who knows? So um, I guess what I'll do, I'll just hit a couple of quick ones right now because we only have two minutes. Uh, former ABC News producer arrested facing child pornography charges following an FBI raid. Uh, James Gordon Meek was arrested and facing these charges by the Justice Department. Um, on April 22nd, uh, on April of 2020, the FBI raided his home, reported it on by Rolling Stone magazine, and the report oddly suggested the raid could have been a political retaliation from President Joe Biden's administration. Um, so uh, it's pretty, uh, I thought this was an interesting story. I'll put this on my- um, We reported on that at the time. Yeah. Because nobody knew like around, no one knew, number one, where this guy had gone and why he had this raid. And it was at the, I think it was at the same time- there was something going else going on at that time. Something else that that kind of coincided. Now, as it ends up, now that we find out why why he was raided because the guy's a sleaze, uh, they had nothing to do with each other. But at the time, we talked about this story and this guy. We couldn't figure out what this was about. Well, now we know. Yeah, and then uh, I'll hit this. How much time we have, friend? No, we don't have time. So you got you got well, a, we got CNN a whole segment a coming up. Okay, let's hit the break. Then we'll do more news before when we get back. See what everybody in the getter chat's thinking. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Zen Master in the chat. Come on.
106B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, glad you're in. Lots to get to. Just got off the uh, Zen Master, just checked in on the red phone. He wants the Getter Chat to know that he loves all of you, but he cannot keep up with all of the um, the chat. It just goes so crazy, especially when he's in there. So he's going to try to answer as many as he can, but he wants you to know that he answers all of you through me and saying that you're the best audience in television, which I say all the time, so we're aware of that. Uh, but he loves everybody, and um, he is the visionary. The visionary Zen master of Real America's Voice. And he loves to be in the chat with you, but sometimes he can't answer every, uh, every single thing that's in there. Uh, Steph says Zen is the best. Absolutely. Steph44 says Zen is the best. Um, good to see everybody in there. Dirty Harry says love you, Zen. See, there you go. There's Zen Master. Bunch of hearts, strong American flag. Come on. All right, Paul, let's do some more news. We got plenty of stuff, and I know you got some things you want to talk about. What's going on? Well, first, thanks, for, uh, Zen Master, for giving me the opportunity to be on your great network. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you, sir. Um, so, by the way, I asked him a question. I still haven't met him in person yet. I'm just curious, D, is he going to bet on his heart, Ned Henry, or is he going to bet on the real athletes is the question I asked him. Uh, you mean for the golf? Yeah. Hmm, that's a good question. I didn't really think about that, but... I mean, I would have to think his heart's going to lean to where his, you know, his uh, flesh and blood is. And that's, unfortunately, he got paired up with Ed Henry, so he's going to have to go with Zen Jr., I would think. Well, I would imagine a but man of his stature. Of the That could change by hole three and number three after he sees the first two. He could bail ship, you know. Yeah, I mean, the heart's for the family and all, but I mean, this is business, <laughs> and the business is for your brains. He's got to be a thinking man, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so Although I keep um, talking. I, would, all, I keep talking all of this, you know, to have fun with it. But I haven't swung a golf club in like four months. I mean, if anybody comes to watch, stand behind before we start, just in case. <laughs> yeah, we can knock the gallery up the side. No way, man. I don't want to like up my. In, uh, I don't want to up my hazard insurance before we tee off. So please, I better stop talking all the smack before we get to the range again. All right, what's going on in the news? All right, so I want to talk about this story, uh, you know, in the New York Post today about Andrew Tate. Now, I don't know, I didn't know much about him until this summer. Uh, obviously, he's um, he's got a lot of polarizing views, and you know, if we could just have a, a brief discussion on this, I'll read the story. I have some opinions. I've did about an hour's worth of research today. I watched about six hours of his long-form interviews. Um, lots out of context. A lot of stuff I really just don't agree with. I'll be completely blunt with you. Um, there's certain things I, I just don't know where it comes from, what the point of it is. But the end, at the end of the day, my point of this story will, you know, is about he's incarcerated without charges. And I truly believe it's because it's another way to silence people of great influence who speak against a larger narrative of, um, you know, of, of a government that's completely out of control, a global government governing system that is fully out of control and a money system that enslaves you. So um, this is the part. This is how the, uh, the New York Post is supposed to be on the right side of things. This is how the, it's framed. Accused sex trafficking rapist Andrew Tate again declared his innocence as he arrived in, at court in Romania on Wednesday for his latest bid to get out of jail. He said, you know, I'm innocent. The incendiary influencer shouted at reporters as he was led out of prison and while handcuffed to his younger brother, Tristan Tate. The brothers and their two accused, uh, their two accused influencer girlfriends and a female ex-cop were in court to fight uh, the second 30-day extension of their detention after being held since early morning raid on December 29th. 
Asked on the way to the uh, Court of Appeal if he expected to be freed Wednesday, Tate 36 said there is not much justice in Romania. Uh, the U.S.-born kickboxer, uh, okay, U.S.-born, I was, again, I was, the remember I mentioned it earlier, I wasn't exactly sure where he was from, who uh, usually shaved his head and covered his stubble, um, made similar claims of innocence on his way out of the hearing. He, he, he's, he was quoted as saying, ask them for evidence, then they'll give you none because it doesn't exist. You'll find out the truth of this case soon. Um, the Romanian prosecutors have accused Tate of heading a criminal gang to sexually exploit women. They claim to, uh, their pair seduced women and forced them to produce pornographic content, generating huge income that they regularly showed off on social media. The judge is yet to, uh, to decide Wednesday's uh, appeal against the decision to hold them for another 30 days. Uh, the judge made the initial decision because the, uh, of the p particular dangerousness of the defendant, defendants and their, uh, uh, their capacity to identify victims with increased vulnerability in search of better life opportunities. The defense attorneys uh, asked the judge to consider placing them under house arrest, uh, court documents showed. So, um, so the one thing that's very interesting about this when you kind of go through it is they still have not been charged with anything. The two women who are cited as victims in the case have on three different occasions now have protested them as victims. They have not, uh, have they, they, they don't want any charges pressed because they don't, they're not victims. Victims. They insist that they're friends with the Tate brothers and that they're wonderful is their quote. They've made three video pleas. Um, uh, on TikTok, two of which have been blocked from TikTok for that. Um, the, uh, the, the judge did explain the intended detention was because they're dangerous influencers. There was also the police for nine months now have had the indoor footage in their custody that prove uh, there was no imprisonment uh, of the victims. Um, and now they're trying to come up with money laundering charges. Now, I will say this, in 2020, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 2000, July 4th of 2020, he texted an, a, a, a piece of, uh, a, a picture of a strawberry to a 16-year-old girl, which I think is completely reprehensible. Don't ever text a girl, you don't know. Um, so I'm completely, you know, I'm, I will not remotely. Uh, Fran had mentioned to me that this guy is, uh, he says women should be in the kitchen and that, you know, a lot of misogynistic stuff, like, where, you know, he's like over the top with, like that caveman mentality. I haven't seen that part of it. Um, but what I have seen him in his long form interviews, you know, it, it just comes across as a guy who's completely anti-globalist. He's completely anti-central bank. He's completely anti-mainstream media. Uh, he's really sounds like a guy with all due respect to, to me when it comes to the political aspect of it. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't get any of the other stuff and I'm not defending him. I'm defending free speech here. And this reminds me of what's going on with Jordan Peterson. And, you know, Jordan Peterson is now being forced to a re-education camp. So before we go to Jordan Peterson, let me just jump in. So he was denied bail again, right? He was denied bail again today. So another 30 days in jail. And so far, like you said, this investigation started April of 2022, I believe. Yes. And still no charges filed. And some people say they haven't even seen a shred of evidence to even think about charges filed. I mean, the talk about what they think they have or they or the Romanian government's looking at or, or those are serious discussions or serious things. But again, there's no evidence that's been produced so far to say this is why.
Yeah, and that's the concern here. This means that they can Julius Julian Assange, anybody at this point, who has a an opinion that's different. Different. Look, the bottom line is this: free speech can only be combated with more, combated with more free speech. And if someone's free to be a complete jackass, well, go ahead, have at it. Now we know everyone knows you're a jackass in this day and age. So go ahead. The, you know, the court of public opinion will make its decision. And the truth of the matter is that the you know, if this guy wants to say that there's nothing wrong with being a toxic male, um, or he says that toxic femininity is, you know, is is, is a th- you know whatever it may be, I don't care. It's not. I'm not going to be the arbiter of good taste. I will not be a, a to, you know an authoritarian. I will not, you know, if listen, if some liberal wants to say like what, what was the horrible comedian? She cut off Trump's head. You know, uh, it was yeah, as disgusting. Yeah, well, Andy Dick, Kathy Griffin, same person. No one's ever seen them in the same room, by the way. Yeah. When I uh, when I saw that, all I thought to myself was, have at it, you wacko. Now everyone knows you're a wacko. You want to be a complete psychopath? Go ahead. I'm, I'm simply not going to say that she should be thrown in jail for her, her opinions. I, You know, there's so Whoopi Goldberg, as stupid as she is, go ahead, keep spewing your stupidity. But as long as we have the right to call it out and make fun of her, and you know, the truth ends up, you know, rising you know i guess you could say i mean sometimes poop floats but the cream rises to the top you know and i i just think the market will always bear the truth if there is transparency so yeah. uh rick delgado's here number one yes. how was your game uh, <laughs> okay good um that seems to be a trend when you oh, i ask you I all, all of a sudden oh have you followed this tate um yeah andrew tate yeah he's uh you know you know what's scary about him paul he has a lot of followers, and that's scary. In and a that's scary to that's scary to the the oh, liberal to the system. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, without a doubt. They don't like that. What do you mean? He's talking about you know uh, espousing women should be in the in the kitchen and this and that and uh, hey, like you said, say what you want. If people are into it, they're going to follow you. They're going to follow you. Um, if they're not, they're going to change the channel. Much like you know with any show. Or, or with any podcast, either you are interested in it, or you're not. Um, let a, let the let the marketplace make that decision. What they don't like is that the marketplace is saying, "Hey, we kind of like this guy. We like the way he's taking it to him. They like the way he talks. They may not agree with everything. You don't have to agree with everything." I think we we all kind of discovered that with President Trump. There are some times we're like, "No, eh, what are you doing?" Um, but for the most part. Yeah, you're kind. Of, you're kind of like, hey, that's yeah. that's you know, I want that guy on my team. So same with yeah, Andrew Tate. He's not for everybody. Now, what were you saying about Jordan Peterson? Not didn't so, did I see that he came out and made some kind of a reference to offering up a World Economic Forum alternative? Yeah, I was trying to bring that up last night. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He did three hours and ten fascinating minutes. Now I know there'll be people in the chat who are going to say something like, "Well, he's not a Trump fan, so I hate him." Uh, you know, okay, great. Um, to me, I, I want to take as many opinions, especially from the highest intellects available, and I'll take what I want and I'll and I'll ponder the rest. And you know, so it, to me, I I know that um, what his intentions are with the Daily Wire, what his intentions are with fighting globalists, fighting the lunacy, the the mob lunacy, uh, and the trendy craziness of the trans community. The fact that he goes head to head with it, the fact that he like he'll, he's not afraid to you know 
you know, go head to head with all of the the wokeness and the fact that he can intellectually de deconstruct any argument at any time with anybody and his, his takes on the World Economic Forum. It, it's just fascinating how, you know, he talks about the green energy, you know, lies, so to speak, and the, and the cause and effect of it all, how he talks about, you know, the way he just frames it. Let me get this straight. So you want to save the planet but you also think there's too many people on the planet, buddy. So who do you who do you want to go? And you want all the power in deciding who goes and how <laughs> the energy is to be dispersed. So you want it both. Uh, don't you think there's a moral hazard there? And the way he puts it, it's just important to, to me when uh, you know people like that, especially people who are not you know right wing guys and label that have the ability to completely deconstruct the argument. And it's you know. I just think it's 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 important to have minds like that you know, speaking out. And uh, this re-education camp is an edict from the college, which he's never going to do, of course. But the fact that they, they just mess with the wrong hombre, I just think it's fascinating to watch this unfold. Yeah. All right, very good. We'll do some more news with Paul. We'll do some uh, sports with Slick Rick when he gets here, probably an hour or two. We got a lot of stuff to get to. We got a couple crazy towns to get to. And we'll get to a little bit on this raid today, which I think is a non-event. I just think it's a non-event. It was almost like a setup for them to be able to come out and say, hey, see, we didn't find anything. But the wording of what they said is what you have to pay attention to. So we'll get into all that when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. to the hour live from studio 6b on a wednesday glad you're in I want to remind you a couple great things coming up on rav thursday uh tomorrow february 2nd 4 to 5 p.m keeping the american dream alive hosted by terrence bates at four o'clock so make sure you uh stay tuned for that or tune in for that tomorrow four o'clock you'll be talking to real american voices about the american dream and why it seems like it's a, a little bit of a farther reach for some now really, really for everybody give under this administration uh, that's tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And then, of course, next Tuesday night, State of the Union night. Pulse of the People, America on the Brink, 7 p.m. Coverage starts from the America First Warehouse. Ed Henry, Karen Turk will take uh, coverage of that. Uh, and they'll have some great guests, Mark Lauder. And um, they're going to have just absolutely great guests from the America First Policy Institute. And they'll be covering everything. They'll take you right up to the speech, I believe, at 9 o'clock. The president will get called in. Um, and he'll give, uh, well, whatever he can stay upright for, whether it's 25, <laughs> 40, 45 minutes. Maybe he'll go an hour. Hey, uh, the, can, can, can we take, take bets on what time he's going to start yelling at us? Yeah, well, we don't know. You never know. It's, <laughs> never it always know. comes like suddenly, right? You right. never. Yeah, it's like, it's like in. dying lately. It just happens suddenly. Yeah. And then uh, Wednesday morning, the morning after the State of the Union, Ed and Karen are going to be at a diner out on Long Island, New York. So they'll be doing their regular time, 8 in the morning, 8 to 10. So just great stuff coming up on RAV here in the next, uh, next you know, big week here. 
So make sure you lock it in. So Slick Rick is in the house. That's a good looking uh, jacket there. Suit. And shoot. Oh, is it a suit? Full suit. And shirt and yep. everything? Yep. Uh, how was your meeting? Good meeting. In fact, I just passed the diner that they're going to be at on uh, was that Wednesday. Oh. Uh, yeah, I said, oh, that's where Ed and Karen are going to be. I got to okay. try to stop down there. Very good. good stuff. Yeah, good meeting. Long Island Builders Development. Uh, there's a $3 billion project on the island that's being presented right now. Are you going to uh, be in charge of the $3 billion? Maybe. Nice. You think maybe. maybe they wouldn't notice if we do a little uh, Mohegan Sun trip? <laughs> I can no. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> you know, they're like going to notice when he scrapes a little off the top for a brand new wardrobe. That's yeah. what they're going to notice. Or buy a couple extra jaws of that face cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to try the face cream, too. <laughs> no, that'll, that'll raise a red flag. That stuff's too pricey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. By the way, it was 1.7 ounces. I went home and looked. It's not 4 ounces. <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh, worse. Well, let's not spend a lot of time on that. Oh, we, we get grief for that, Big D. All, all right. right, let's do some sports. Right, Sports is brought to you by uh, MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. MyPillow 2.0, buy one, get one free. Lindell was on um, Jimmy Kimmel last night. I'll give you my thoughts on that if we have time. But let's do sports right now. Slick Rick, what's going on? Well, hey, the news was dominated in sports today. The great Tom Brady, the GOAT, the all-time best uh, football player. I don't even know if it's arguably the best. He, he is he's absolutely incredible. Well, he retired today. Again, take two. Can I jump so, in here for a second? Sure, so I want to get your opinion and Paul's opinion and Rick's, too. Mike Francesa on ESPN this morning with Mad Dog and Stephen A. Smith says Tom Brady is not the greatest regular season quarterback ever. That was Peyton Manning. And he's not the greatest playoff Super Bowl quarterback ever. That was Joe Montana. Paul Nolan, agree or disagree? It's ridiculous. Go okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, Slick Rick? I think Mike's just looking to drive those headlines. That's all I think. That was just calling attention to himself. I mean, there's an argument for regular season to a degree with Peyton Manning, Big D. But, man, you talk about Super Bowl. How many rings did that guy win? You kidding me? He's got more rings than J-Lo. And he's well, he's saying Super Bowl performer, not necessarily how many times you won it. Brady uh, he, went 10-1-7. Oh, no one will ever do that, obviously. Did he, did he see that game against Atlanta when they came back at halftime? I don't know if I've ever seen a performance like that in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to see what you thought. Well, keep going with sports, Slick. Oh, okay. Well, let's get back to the story. We got to talk about this. And he's got a great opportunity coming up. Anyway, ESPN News Services earlier today. Tom Brady says he's retiring for good from football. Ended a storied 23-year NFL career during which the star quarterback won seven Super Bowls and set numerous records. There is no NFL franchise that possesses seven Super Bowls. Tom Brady has seven rings. Brady announced his decision Wednesday on social media, saying he wouldn't change a thing about his career. Brady, 45, also announced he was retiring on February 1st. 2022 before changing his mind 40 days later and returning to play this past season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know the process was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, Brady said in a video on Twitter. I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So really, thank you guys so much, every single one of you, for supporting me. He informed the Buccaneers uh, at 6 a.m. this morning. He must have just woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to move on. But, you know, there's a great opportunity that's facing Brady, besides all the accolades and, and the incredible numbers, a career passing 89,214 yards, 649 touchdown passes. Incredible. Uh, three-time league MVP. Uh, just an incredible career. It goes on and on, Mike Francesa. But quite frankly, <laughs> he's got a phenomenal opportunity with Fox Sports. And I, I know nobody's really worried about this, but they're offering him a $375 million 10-year package to be the uh, color commentator on their prime game. Uh, poor Greg Olson, who does a fantastic job for Fox, in my opinion, is probably going to get too. pushed out, right? He's pretty good, but he doesn't. How much? 300 and what? 
375 million over 10 years, which comes out to obviously 37 and a half million. I don't need Joe Biden to figure it out for us. And I got to tell you, that's about what a pro- I think Dak Prescott is working on like a $38 million contract right now to get go to training camp, get beat up, get criticized, get stepped on. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. So. $37 million to do TV. Huh? Mm-hmm. Give me the red phone. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> yeah. 37. I'd be happy with 1%. <laughs> anyway, that's a, hey, we could talk all night about Brady, but, you know, had to mention that. And uh, I got some other good stories coming up in the next hour, but I wanted to get into that. And, you know, it's, it, I, I, I have a feeling this is it for him. I do. I really do. Imagine though if he stinks at TV, like they, they like to get him on there. Like, uh oh, he's terrible at this. He's already had kind of a litmus test with Let's Go. He does that podcast on ESPN. You know, he's good. Not possible with a guy like him, right, Paul? He's going to be able to see every play as it's developing. He'll talk about the coverages. He'll be able to be be Romo without being a blabbermouth. Right. (laughs) You would think Romo gets paid by the word. I yelled yelled that at my TV the other night. I'm like, you're not getting paid by the word? Let the moment happen. Oh, my God. Trust me. He was my quarterback for 10 years. He, a lot of fluff with Tony and uh, not, not enough results. But that's the story for a different day. Would you Dallas take him over Dak? What's that? You think he's better than Dak? Um, yeah. I, I, I Without do. a doubt. I no do. comparison. Not even questions. Dak stinks. I do. Hey, if they can put Gronk on TV, Brady will be fine. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he, now he's on the Fox pregame. He is, oof, he's kind of rough, and, and, and he's making a lot of money. They got that eighty for Brady, but Hanoi Hanoi Jane is the uh, oh my goodness, the, uh, oh god. <laughs> Let's not go. What's next? Cartoons? Every Can't time I go, Paul, I can't hear you. Oh, every, can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah, if you get closer to the mic, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, every, every time you see Gronk, it just looks like he's going to grab a like. Like you know, beer and smash it on his head. He's just such a meathead. Yeah, <laughs> he's terrible on Fox too. He's not doing a good job. All right, what else in sports, look, Rick? That's it. I, I, oh. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've got some other stories coming up in the next hour. So let's get cut twelve G because of uh, there was a lot going on today. I watched a bunch of stuff besides the Fed. I was watching some of the committee hearings on the floor, the a lot of the border, um, and Jim Jordan, of course, chairing his committee. And um, well. This is what happens today as they're talking about border security after Jim Jordan's opening statement. Of course, he goes to the ranking member to give his opening statement. And, uh, well, here's how that went. Go ahead. I now recognize the ranking member, the gentleman from New York, Mr. Nadler, once he completes his phone call for his opening statement. What a freaking buffoon. This fat gas bag yeah, can't even uh, pay attention to the job. You got no, no. one job. Yeah, no, no it's going to be great watching. Yeah, extra large fry. Just bring it right to the house floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two cheeseburgers and an extra fry. Just bring it right in. Okay, gotta go. And a diet coke. Be like, be like that game with a basketball play where the guy came on the court with the, with the Uber Eats. Yeah, yeah. Here comes the guy into Congress. Uh, looking for uh, uh, Nadler. I mean, what's he doing? Making a phone call. He's governing. I mean, he knows he's second up to speak after after Jordan. But meanwhile, there he is. He, he's, That's he's, just him being arrogant. That's his power play to say, right. I'm still bigger than you. Well, he is. He's a phony. And he's wider. <laughs> That's about all it is. <laughs> well, if he's well. talking to his, uh, his, his nanny to make sure she has a garden hose and a, and a giant towel to clean him up. <laughs> That's very strong. All right, live from Studio 6B, hour two coming up. So is the smell. <laughs>
All right, live from Studio 6P, Hour 2, Real America's Voice on a Wednesday night, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Slick Rick's here. He's going to do some sports. Delgado's here. Paul's doing news. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Glad you're a part of the show as always. People in the getter chat all fired up. Chat is, um, well, they're just fired up as always about a bunch of different topics. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Stephen Nadler comments. So let's. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Uh, let's go over this the raid today, and it's just a couple things that I saw that I thought were uh, important to point out because I certainly didn't think of them. And the first one is from uh, who's this kid in the blaze? Chris Enlow. He wrote about this um, really, I, I think, nothing search. They make it like oh, try to make it on par with what they did with Trump. It's not right. even close. Yeah. That was a raid made for TV. This is like, hey, we're gonna go down there, okay, in a couple weeks. Don't you don't you worry about it. Go clean up the crime scene before we get there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and then we, so we can come out and all the news stations for the whole cycle can go, nothing was found. No classified documents were found. See, they're being transparent. They keep giving us access to wherever we want. Well, Chris Enlow picked up on something that at least is worth keeping an eye on. And that is the way they worded this statement today. So he says, the FBI seized an unknown number of documents from President Joe Biden's vacation home in Rehoboth Beach on Wednesday, beginning at 8.30 a.m. FBI agents searched the property for presumably classified documents and other materials improperly in Biden's possession. The president's personal attorney, Bob Bauer, described the operation as a planned search. The search lasted approximately three and a half hours, according to Bauer, though FBI agents discovered no classified documents, and we heard this from the media all afternoon. They did seize material dated from Biden's tenure as vice president. Quote, the DOJ's planned search of the president's Rehoboth residences conducted in coordination and cooperation with the president's attorneys has concluded, Bob Bauer said. The search was conducted from 8.30 a.m. to noon. Now, just as a side note, cut zero, G. Let me just remind you back on January 12th, what we were... Let me just remind you what, what, we, what we heard from the press briefing room on January 12th from the always transparent... Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre and this administration in their attempt to be transparent. Cut zero, roll that. The, the search is clearly complete. They oh. completed uh, the uh, uh, the search. The search is complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is confident in this process. You should assume that it's been completed, yes. Mm. After the search concluded last night, that search was completed last night. Oh, yeah, sir. Yeah, sounds uh-huh. like that's weird. She's so on top of it. Yeah, because yeah. yes. remember with the other searches, oh, the, 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 that was already completed. And then they found out that, oh, wow, the FBI actually ended up going and doing a search of their own. So maybe it wasn't complete. I don't know. Well, clearly it wasn't because they did it today. Oh. <laughs> so here's the quote that you need to remember. The DOJ's planned search of... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I already read that one. No documents with classified markings were found, quote unquote, he said. This is Bob Bauer, the president's personal attorney. Consistent with the process in Wilmington, the DOJ took for further review some materials and handwritten notes that appeared to relate to his time as vice president, end quote. And Chris Enlow points out, now this is a carefully worded statement, emphasizing that agents found nothing with classified markings does not exclude the possibility that what agents seized was still classified. Indeed, not every document or parcel with classified information, such as handwritten notes, carry the proper markings 
indicating that it contains classified information. And I thought about that, and when I, it gets back to, like, the visitor logs, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, we don't have any visitor logs. Oh, okay, do you have um, a list of called people who entered through the front <laughs> red door? Oh, yes, we do have that. <laughs> oh. well, we oh. don't have, well, we don't have visitor logs. Right. We don't have that. We, we don't call it that. We have no idea what that means. Right, we have no idea what that is. We have people who entered through the big red door. Right. We have that list. So if you want that, you got to ask for that specifically. Yeah, and, and, and what's interesting, too, is they make, they make it a point of saying handwritten notes. Um, how, how long were these notes? Were they notes, uh, uh, that contained certain, certain information that maybe is classified? Because from what I understand, Joe Biden had a history or, or a practice of using notebooks and writing things down. So is it that he went into a skiff, he saw something, he's like, you know what, I got to write that down and make sure I let the, the, the leader in Ukraine know that if he wants that check, you know, this is going to have to happen. Um, you got to assume, because remember, what is it, 1,800 boxes over at the University of Delaware that are stored, um, squirreled away so nobody can see what he's been keeping track of all those years? It, 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 you make a good point where, you know, it is all in the way they word things, because that's, that's how they kind of throw you off, and, and they get the, you know, they get the lackeys, all the sheep, they go, see? See, he's not hiding anything. Did they go through Jill's underwear drawer? Maybe, maybe there's something there. Did they grab Ew. his license or his passports? Ugh. We don't know. Mm. It's not a gain of function here at the Biden House. It's directed evolution. You know, that's the uh, oh. one of those deals. Yep. It's not visitor logs. It's people who entered through the big red door. You got to ask for the right thing here. <laughs> to, so. to come see Pop Pop. Well, and to your point, the Washington Times today, lead story, at least this afternoon, I know it's changed now, but the lead story in the Washington Times was University of Delaware, probable next target in Biden classified document probe. And that trove of documents at the University of Delaware has to be, now that's really, again, where they should have rated because, you know, unfortunately, I'm so jaded to the Department of Justice, I feel like the same way, like right now. University of Delaware is probably sitting there going, well, how much more time do we have before they show up? Yeah. Do we, do we, do we have a chance for, for one of those egg, egg factory fires? Anyone? Yeah. Because that's a, that's a lot of flammable material in 1,800 boxes. Yeah, it they're... almost makes me think of the, uh, the, the last scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark where they cart away the, uh, you know, the Ark and put it, put, it, put it away with all the other stuff we've stored away. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't hold out much hope at this point with the cat clearly out of the bag on what they're doing here because they won't do what they did to Trump in the essence of, in the element of surprise, like, okay, we're here. Yeah, turn off all your, uh, nobody's allowed in the house, no lawyers are yeah, around. Yeah, everybody out. No security, exactly. you're not allowed to be here. 45 armed guys, tanks, the whole deal. Yeah, 12, Show up at University of Delaware. 12 hours. Not like, hey, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Make sure you've got the keys for us when we show up. Who has any trust in that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if we found out they were going there tomorrow, would you have any trust that they find anything? No, of course no. not. It was like this this morning when I saw these big headlines in these lower thirds on all these media channels. Like this was... I mean, I guess it's obviously it's news that they're there, but like, did, did <laughs> like really? They stopped in for a cup of coffee, maybe a, maybe a nice Danish. Everything's cleaned up by now. Everything's cleaned up or gone. They probably moved it back to the Penn Biden Center, figuring they're not coming back here now. Right. So that's the first thing. Um, what a world.
We can't believe a word we say. Let's go cut one, G. Speaking of this, she was asked about it. Roll that. I'm wondering how the White House can claim that they are being transparent when the FBI search of the Penn Center, Penn Biden Center, that happened months ago was not proactively disclosed to the public. And what should the public take away from the fact that you are keeping information like this from the public? Look, I'm going to be uh, very prudent from here. I'm going to be very consistent from here. Uh, I'm just not going to comment on anything that's That's related to what is currently happening. This is a legal process. As you just mentioned, my colleague was right outside these doors answering many of your questions. He has done that these past couple of weeks, I believe four weeks now, and he'll continue to do that. Uh, Anything that is specific to this uh, this particular process, I would refer you to the Department of Justice and uh, also, again, my colleagues at the White House Counsel's Office. Following up on that, I understand you're not going to discuss the details or anything, but just is there a reason that two of the searches were disclosed and not the search of the Penn Biden Center? You mentioned this is a legal process. Is there a legal reason why you're disclosing only two and not what we know is a third search? Again, I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel's (laughs) Office. Did anyone at the White House tell the National Archives at any point not to issue a press release about the discovery of classified documents? I would would really refer you to the White House Counsel's (laughs) Office, who has been running this process. Right. and refer you to even them. If, even if it's something that's not just in their purview, it would be wider with them than the White House. Because this is, when it re, when it relates to the DOJ, when it relates to special counsel, this is something that's been under their pre, uh, purview, so I would refer you to them. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just keep making it so much worse for themselves. It's never going to move on, number one, because we're probably not done, as I continue to say, with documents and even possibly locations. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but they are just not helping themselves. They are. They try to talk out their mouth that they're being transparent, but our eyes tell us at every turn it's just the opposite. <laughs> and have you noticed the media? I guess the, the. I guess they got the green light. The media got the green light. Okay, we can we can ask about this one. Oh, is this is this a good one? Yeah, let's take him out with this. It, it it won't be as messy as if he really gets brought up on charges of espionage and selling secrets and all that stuff. If we could just get him on the dock, and then we can maybe he'll just step away and he won't run, and and he'll take Kamala with him because she's a disaster too. And maybe we can get Booty Juice ready, you know, because he's cute. We could plow plow him up there. He's like that that Doogie Hauser kid, and you know everybody likes Doogie Hauser, so we'll just say Booty Juice could be your new Doogie Hauser president. Okay. Now, the other revelation today that the New York Post wrote about is dealing with, once again, as I keep talking about, the National Archives. And the Post says today the National Archives was blocked from informing the public about the initial discovery of classified documents at President Biden's former D.C. think tank by either the White House or the Department of Justice, the Post has learned. Now, Ian Sams, Cut 13G, was asked about this. Roll a little bit of that. Anyone at the White House at any point tell the National Archives in any form that they could not release a press release about the discovery of classified documents? Uh, what are you, what's that in reference to? There's reporting that came from the House Oversight Committee Chairman, James Comer, who says that in his conversations with the National Archives, they communicated that they were told, the Archives was told it could not release a press release at whatever point it was, about the discovery of classified documents. Did anyone at the White House tell them not to do that? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. If that's actually what he said, it's probably better to ask the archives if that's actually what was said and and try to understand a little bit more what he meant. (laughs) At what point did they say, listen, yeah, how about this? Um, 
I can't answer that, but I want you to go take three blocks that way. Then make a right. You're going to see a guy on the corner. He's going to tell you where to go after that. Ask him the answer to that question. They just keep the, they just keep the firing. It. Like, do they not have any accountability whatsoever? It's, it, this is pure comedy. And what's great is that they're asking the same question to different officials because obviously they already know the answer. Somebody did tell them not to put out a press release. That's why they're asking the question. They've already been tipped off. Now they're just trying to figure out who that person was. Yeah, that's all it is. As the Post says in the second paragraph of their article, the shocking revelation confirmed by a source familiar with the matter. has led to allegations of a double standard in how the National Archives and Records Administration and the Justice Department are prosecuting the two incidences. Specifically, as I've been saying, the behavior of the National Archives laser-focused on Trump, what they thought he had, what they were missing, what they wanted. Biden, no clue, and we're going to play hide the ball when asked about it. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do on a Wednesday night. America's Voice. It is a Wednesday night. We got uh, Paul Nolan's here with News Slick. Rick is here with Sports. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell and my pillow. Hey, G, did did uh, did we grab that uh, Mike Lindell stuff from from Jimmy Kimmel? Okay, cool. No, no, no. I just I just want to make sure I can plug it so we can because it's probably we're probably going to do it next hour. I just want to make sure we had it. All right, so we'll probably do that next hour because uh, you know it's Mike Lindell. Yeah. He's a friend of the show. We are in a second hour. Wow. I'm, I'm, woo. I feel like Jerry Nadler right now. <laughs> I might need to hit the can. All right. Let's do some, uh, let's do some sports with Slick Rick. What do you got, my friend? All right. Well, ready for the Las Vegas A's relocation speculation heats up. Alex Lang of Yard Barker with the o- Oakland Athletic executives heading to Las Vegas this week. Sin City seems likely to soon be home to a Major League Baseball team. It's pretty wow. big news. According to the Las Vegas Review Journal, A's owner John Fisher and President David Caval will meet with resort operations along the Strip. Previous discussions have been held about a potential site for a retractable dome stadium in Las Vegas that would serve as home to the A's. I'll tell you, the old Charlie Finley from the 70s, he was a real wheeler dealer. I got to say, he would absolutely love this. Great stuff. Oakland A's officials have long clamored for a new stadium to replace decrepit Rink Central Coliseum, which opened in 1966. The A's blame the bedraggled stadium for the team's lack of funds, inability to sign free agents, and fan apathy. Proposals for new stadiums failed to gain enough support from Oakland and California elected officials over the decades. There was a proposal for a waterfront park in Oakland, but that recently hit a snag when grant funding was not recommended by federal leaders, according to KTVU. Last year, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said that the A's would have a relocation fee waived if they moved. That sparked a round of speculation that the team would depart Oakland. Las Vegas is the only city, only city, considered by the A's for relocation, according to the Review Journal. I tell you, it would be tough for the people 
people that are uh, from Oakland, but you know what? Look what happened to the Oakland Raiders. Remember them? Yeah. Well, guess what? They moved to Vegas, and they're doing pretty well. I'm going to say they're winning, but you know, they're doing well in terms of attendance is good over there. I mean, it is the NFL, but I think baseball would do dynamite in Vegas. I think oh, yeah. a lot of people would go there and catch I mean, those games. I mean, it does great in, in Oakland. I don't, You know, it, it's too bad that they lose a team. Um, Vegas could be easily an expansion city. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for that. But, but look what happens to the Warriors. The Warriors vacated their, their Oakland yep. spot, and they went across the bay to San Francisco. Why? Because it's Oakland. Absolutely. And a story out of Breitbart earlier t- uh, today. 60-year-old man dies after fight at Vermont Middle School basketball game. I don't know if you guys heard about this. A six-year-old man has died after a fight involving several adults at a Vermont Middle School basketball You guys go to these middle school basketball games. What's going on here? This is Dylan Gwyn of Breitbart. Video from the scene. Uh, we have it on the screen. Thanks, G. Identified as Russell Giroux was transported to a local hospital following the fight, but ultimately could succumb to the injuries. Police oh. told local media that the Jeez. cause of the fight was unknown, and several participants had left the gymnasium by the time officers arrived on the scene. Both middle schools, St. Albans and Alberg, put out statements offering their condolences to the Giroux family. All of us in the Maple Run community are shocked and saddened by last night's death of Russell Giroux after oh. a physical altercation during a basketball game at the Alberg Education Center, the statement from Alberg read, we extend our condolences and sympathies to the family. Uh, they went on to obviously express their, you know, obviously deep concerns. But St. Albans, it, our immediate goal is to remind and educate our students and families that our school culture is one of family, community, and kindness. Police have asked anyone with information about the incident to contact them. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. They go to a basketball game and, and, and the guy how gets... Long, how long have I talked about parents at these games? You yeah. have. You have. And this is middle but, school. I, I don't know if this is accurate, but the... Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead, G. No, you go. I was just going to say, I don't know if this is accurate, but the guy who tweeted that video we just played, I, uh, I don't know if it was him or someone else in the comments said it started, the fight started over a racial slur. Oh, boy. Still, Man. at a middle school Regardless. Game. Why? I mean, why yeah. yeah, exactly. Parents, the parent, behavior I, there is incredible. I believe a parent made the slur towards another, another parent's child, another player. So there's no video of that, though? We don't know. It's just someone saying it. Well, we just ran some video. Oh, the actual, the actual. Yeah, yeah, there's no audio. Yeah, well, the truth funny. will come out then, and we know yeah. that that's not. Someone's got to have that on. So you know that's going to come out. Yeah, so got to be a. Full but my my proposal was when you know my son was playing a lot of hockey, and the fans were crazy because the parents also spend the fortune on hockey, and even you know, even the intramural stuff, girls softball, coach, and the boys baseball and lacrosse. My suggestion was, just face the cameras instead of to the to the field. Face them up to the stands and get a view of the parents. So at the end, and keep those cameras played in the in the lobby. So when people are acting the fool, they get to see what they really look like, and they'll be accountable <laughs> for their behavior. That's not a bad idea, man. I, I would have loved to play on a team with Paul as the coach. When we were kids. My co- my baby we had a really good team. My coach went after the umpire with an aluminum bat when he called me out on strikes one time. So that that's my my kind of coach. But that's crazy. But anyway, no, Paul, I wasn't like be, that. I wasn't. No. I wasn't like that at all, man. You'd I was be just fun, a, though. I was. A, I was just a toy out there. I just ran around, loved, just had fun, you know. I, I just to me it was just all. The parents stole the, the fields, you know. We stole the game. We, we used to make our own games. We pick up the, you know, we do pick up games and. You know, the, the, the game has been stole by the parents. You know, my my dad didn't go watch us play pick-up ball. They barely, you know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. the best yeah. games we had was, right, Delgado? Yeah. Playing out in the you street. You know, choosing up sides. Oh, yeah. And if you ever got, remember, remember if you get cho- chosen last, I remember it was like 11, I got chose last, and I was just like, that ain't ever <laughs> happening again. I lost my mind over that. <laughs> I know? saw, a, um, you know, speaking of the other side of this, I saw a clip today 
like an all-state player in basketball. I forget the school, but the coach and the and the player were, I guess, being interviewed after the game. On, on they were sitting up, looked like almost like a professional after interview, like up at the dais, sitting at the desk with the microphones. The player was to his right, and the coach made a point of saying this kid would start on any other high school team in the state. But the fact that we have five seniors and two of them have to come off the bench, and he's one of the comes off the bench because I guess this team is that good. Uh, the coach talked about him and his parents, and he, they, he said, I've never gotten a call from his parents complaining about his playing time and the fact that he doesn't start and the fact that we all know he would start on any other team in the state. This kid has never said a word to me about it. His parents have never called me. They have never said anything. They've never raised a stink. They've never done anything. He went out of his way to, um, and he started actually crying. He got so emotional about the kid. Obviously, he's got a very close relationship with the kid and the parents. Um, it was nice to see the opposite of what we've been, a lot of what you hear. Yeah. Yeah. Because the parents are the first ones to call him. My kid's the best ever. You know, every, every parent thinks their kid's the best one to ever do it. And yeah. here's a kid who clearly was, was one of the best in the state and this team happened to be so stacked that he wasn't starting and the parents never just supported him went to every game sat up there and you know so i saw a little bit of that today too so i thought that was good that's a good story yeah, that's yeah. Good story. all right what else that's, sports? A, that's a wrap <clears throat> all right let's do some news we got time for a little news we'll do some when we get back paul nolan what's going on so I'll, uh, this is a subject I was going to save it for a full segment, but obviously we're running out of time. According to a recent analysis by researcher David Rosado, the popular new AI chatbot, ChatGBT, by OpenAI, the research company founded by Sam Altman, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman, and Jessica Livingston, displayed a leftist political bias. Are you guys shocked by this? Um, no, because no. No, I've used it and seen it. <laughs> yes, this is my shocked face. In a post by Substack, uh, researcher David Rosado tested the political affiliations of the popular chatbot. Some of the questions that were asked, they did one of those charts testing it, and it, it had it leaning extremely left. Uh, some of the questions included, um, where was it here? Can kids be transgender? Yes, they can. Um, what did Joe Biden mean by saying poor kids are just as smart as white kids? It said Biden never said that. We advise you from spreading disinformation. Um, it had other questions like, from each according to his ability to each according to his need is a fundamentally good idea. Please choose one. It agreed with such a statement. The rich attacks too high. Uh, choose one. Strongly agree. Disagree. Uh, you know, strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. So there was. This goes on and on. I'll post this one on my Getter page. Um, you know, I don't know how much time we have, uh, but th this is. It's. It's. It's comical how left this uh, ChatGPT is, and I don't think anybody should be shocked at all. No, you shouldn't. And it is, and I've seen it. I've asked it a numerous things to see what it would pop out. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. More to do. We're back right after this.
already talked to you about our friends at Birch Gold. Despite the U.S. blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling this month or last month, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. Now, Speaker McCarthy met with President Biden today in their first meetings to talk about the debt ceiling. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty, instability, gold is king. It is dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text America to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold. And then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of the mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check right now for $247,000. And it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting America to 989898. An A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers and countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold. To protect your future, text America to 989898 and do it today. All right, 31 past the hour live from Studio 6B. Let's do a couple crazy. We've got some crazy towns to get to and a couple other things I want to get to. Let's start with crazy town Ron Klain. And for me, this is a big red flag about something that may be coming, maybe something he knows. I don't know. Something but somebody who's been with Joe Biden since the start. As close to somebody as you can be is as Ron Klain is to Joe Biden, and he's decided now's the time to find the exit. Ron Klain and Joe Biden say goodbye. Crazy Town G, roll it. I want to, for the press, I want to put an end to the rumors that the rest of the staff has not quit because he's leaving. Why you know I knew this day would come, yeah. to state the obvious, but it doesn't make it any easier. And I've known Ron since he was a kid, uh, you know, third year law student in a school near Boston. What was that school's name? Harvard, I think. I knew the moment he started, he was a once in a generation talent. That's not hyperbole. He's a fiercely brilliant intellect. And again, those of you who work with him know it to be true. And just as important, he has a heart as big as his head. You know, uh, you're like family. And uh, folks who've been with me a long time know it's hard to get away from us. <laughs> For the last 36 years, Ron has been at my side in one capacity or another. And there's been some, some very tough and real battles we've been in together. And when, you, uh, when you're in the trenches of somebody, you, you, f you figure out pretty quickly uh, what they're made of. He's willing to jump in front of the bus for you. So I, I knew as we faced our most important battle, the battle for the soul of the nation, that I needed Ron, and that's not hyperbole. He assembled the most diverse and most talented White House team in history and led, uh, led them to solve some of the really difficult problems. With Ron's leadership, just look at what we've gotten here over the years, over the last two years alone, fighting COVID, reviving our economy, rebuilding the infrastructure, protecting our planet, fighting for gun, fighting against gun violence, advancing civil rights. And while we've accomplished an extraordinary amount of work, mark a consequence of uh, Ron's success. He is beloved by those of you here in the White House, as demonstrated by this crowd here. And, uh, you know, uh, I said earlier, choice. a lot of claniacs in this room. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to miss him. Claniacs? Uh, yeah. Not as much as I will. 
Jeff Zines, right here. You heard it right. I first got clean. Home. We worked together and implement the Recovery Act of 2009, and later he was director of the Office of Management and Budget. He later led the daunting, complicated task of fixing healthcare.gov. <laughs> We've made a lot of progress, but we have to build on that project. And if anyone's going to be able to build on that job, it's Jeff. You know, when you're a family of someone running the White House, uh, you got to be embarrassedly invited. You know, I got embarrassed all the time and introduce you, but it's because we're proud of it. And thank you. I know this doesn't happen without the cooperation of the whole family. I mean, that's the same. Let me close with this. It's my great pleasure, and I don't get to do this often, to turn this over to Ron to publicly speak. This is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> I will miss this job, our work, this mission, and most of all, this team every single day. It is especially not bad for a president and a team that was written off for dead in the winter of 2019, and for dead again in the winter of 2020, and for dead again in the winter of 2021, and for dead again the first week of November 2022. It is never a good bet. It's against Joe Biden and this team. Never, ever a good bet. To the president and first lady, Dr. Biden, you welcomed me into the Biden family four decades ago. And there's no higher honor I could have. Like me. It's more like than I could me. possibly ask. Thank you for, so much for everything. I learned everything I know Come on. about how to be a good father from Joe Biden. Oh, my God. He's the best father <laughs> I know and the best role model I know. I look forward to being on your side when you run for president in 2024. And with that, I will turn the podium over to the next White House chief of staff, oh Jeff Sons. I am running for the hand. Thank you, folks. Head down the dining room. Get some deep. <laughs> Real men don't that, cry on TV. What was that? Jeez. Oh my God. What even that was really that? That reminded me of The Godfather where he's like, you could act like a man. <laughs> What's face. the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Man. What are those two gonna like? What, what's gonna oh. happen now? Those two guys gonna go back to the hotel and cuddle up and watch a rom com? <laughs> I was, I, <laughs> I was almost feeling like, oh, Ron, he really does like Joe. They've been friends for so long. For a second, until he said everything I've learned from Joe Biden, especially how to be a good dad. Oh, oh. man, what a phony! What? <laughs> You know, showering with your kids and <laughs> yeah, making sure his your son's son is a, his son's a hooker infested drug addict too. Oh, crocodile tears! What are you talking oh, about? And uh, Joe, if there's another job you can appoint me to, I love this pushy government gig. It's just so profitable. <laughs> that was John Boehner for a second. If you watch the whole speech, it is very odd how he comes in and out of like the the sobbing into like just speaking normally. It's like oh, you can very see a rough. little bit of it yeah. even there. Yeah, he's <laughs> the hysteria. He's definitely on oh edge a little. He almost got me. I almost was like, you almost bought it. I almost bought it. Oh, okay. I almost felt bad for a second that we were laughing at the poor guy, and I thought maybe yeah, was, I didn't want to laugh, but oh. hey, Paul, that he really did like oh. Joe. We're rubbing off. <laughs> right until the wow. end. <laughs> oh, God. You think he was Please. crying because you think he was crying because Joe threw him in front of that bus he was talking about? I yeah, think so. Right. I think that's why he's leaving. He's like, this is about to get messy. I gotta get out of here. I'm yeah. involved in this. I'm out of here. I gotta lawyer up. But that's just me. I could be wrong. It's just a theory. I don't know. Yeah.
How are we doing on Rick Steary's intro, G? It'll be done as soon as Rick's shoes won us. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rick's oh, cool. kicks. What ever happened to that? Thank you for reminding ah, me. Well, yeah, the numbers are all screwed up. I mean, the, I don't know what happened I haven't seen him. Rick's shoes in quite a while. Yeah, well, ten. somebody said, is that still a thing? And I said, well. Well, yeah, the getter number, I don't know what they're doing yeah, with the streaming. Yeah, we got to come up with a new number. Maybe it should be like if, if get 500. 500. Yeah, we can see my shoes. There we go. Hey, if one person yeah. makes a comment in the chat, you get to see the shoes. It's right, awesome. man. You should give out your PayPal or something or your Venmo. Rick. <laughs> you know what? Better yet, yeah. just call Harry and say we want to see Rick's shoes. Here we go. Uh, let's do President <laughs> Trump, G. Another good video. Uh, cut four. Although well, there's two cut fours, but let's do the Trump one. Uh, roll that if you have it. The left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or healthcare provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. The Department of Justice will investigate Big Pharma and the big hospital networks to determine whether they have deliberately covered up horrific long-term side effects of sex transitions in order to get rich at the expense of vulnerable patients, in this case, very vulnerable. We will also investigate whether Big Pharma or others have illegally marketed hormones and puberty blockers, which are in no way licensed or approved for this use. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they could be trapped in the wrong body, they will be faced with severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination and the elimination of federal funding. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. The bill will also make clear that Title IX prohibits men from participating in women's sports, and we will protect the rights of parents from being forced to allow their minor child to assume a gender which is new and an identity without the parent's consent. The identity will not be new, and it will not be without parental consent. 
No serious country should be telling its children that they were born with the wrong gender, a concept that was never heard of in all of human history. Nobody's ever heard of this, what's happening today. It was all when the radical left invented it just a few years ago. Under my leadership, this madness will end. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And that, again, is excellent. excellent. And um, very similar. A lot of those is very similar to what Governor DeSantis has put in place in Florida. Um, and now he's, of course, tackling education, which the president also did a video on. So, again, the two of them on similar paths as far as um, what the policies are going to look like. Good for them. And speaking of that, for just one second, um, I see that the president spoke to Nikki Haley, who, for some reason that I'll never figure, is going to announce that she's going to run for president as well. Now, back in, do we have the clip from, that I tweeted from her? I don't see it. <clears throat> um, yep. April of uh, 2022, Nikki Haley said the following. He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run as President Trump. And I would talk to him about it. You know, I mean, that's something that we'll have a conversation about at some point if that decision is something that has to be made. But yeah, I would, I would absolutely. I had a great working relationship with him. I appreciated the way he let me do my job. Um, I thought we did some fantastically great foreign policy. All right, we'll get back to this when we get back. One second. All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. So we just finished that Nikki Haley clip there. She said she wouldn't run if Trump's running. Well, now she's running. And the word is that she did talk to President Trump, and he gave her a blessing. Hey, if it's in your heart and it's something you want to do, I encourage you to go do it. (laughs) And then he gets interviewed on his plane. Well, if DeSantis runs, it's real disloyalty, you know. And I, and I, I mean, somebody's giving him that messaging. I'm not sure who it is. Maybe he sees one as a threat and one is well, not. How do you not? How do you not take it that way? It's exactly where I was going, G. How do you uh, not but, take it that way? Yeah. One of them, you know, is going to pull skim milk, and one of them is going to be a problem. And I just, uh, I, I don't know why those two statements would be made public. But listen, Nikki Haley getting in the race, don't confuse yourself, is good for President Trump. So is DeSantis getting in. So is Tim Scott getting in. So is Mike Pompeo. So is Mike Pence. You know why? Because President Trump has 35 to 50% of the base locked down no matter what. So if he's got six or seven other people who are going to split the other whatever and all poll at Mm -hmm. 8%, what's he care? Yeah. He doesn't want to be head-to-head. He doesn't want to be one-on-one. He wants to have six, seven people in the primary race. And he hopes they stay as long as they can. Guys, That's what do you he think wants. that Trump uh, is going to, based on like the political landscape and everything's a war of optics, do you think he's going to need or absolutely have to pick a woman or a woman of color? And I'm not being facetious 
And this is not hyperbole. No. For real, man. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, do you think he has to do that just in an effort to kind of shield himself from the hateful media? You don't think he needs no. to do something like that? Nope. No. You don't think it's just it's a strategic move where he would be better with a Candace Owens? Obviously, not, she won't do it, but... No, no because, because they're still going to paint that person. Well, that person is just just as big a racist as Trump, no matter what color oh, they right. are. Yeah. It doesn't right. matter to them. You saw so you what happened think... with the uh, with those police officers. They're 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 attributing them beating that that guy to death to 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 white racism. What? It's like, but they were all black. Yeah, police officers. it's like Rick, you, without a it doesn't doubt. Matter. In their world, Van Jones did a big op-ed, and they actually oh, CNN forced the headline to be changed because of the rampant hatred the headline got uh either way the the content of the article was still as as absurd as it can possibly get wow just curious about what the audience thinks if it would help him protect him from you know all the ridiculous racist claims that he's constantly uh facing even a woman of you know hispanic <laughs> you, could an- you, you could answer that yourself paul you think the media cuts him a break on anything <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, well, no, but I, it would at least be one little veil or one little layer of cover. Uh, because let's be honest, DeSantis is going to get vilified. Anybody who goes is going to be the devil, according to the the leftist media. Just, I'm just curious, you know, from an optic standpoint, everything is soundbite, thirteen second optic. No one reads the, you know, nobody reads. It's just headlines, you know, it's headlines and blurbs, and that's it. Yeah. Well, look what they did to Tim Scott. Right. What all the names they called him? What they called Byron Donalds? Uh, who else? Uh, the guy from uh, the guy you love, the um, uh, second, uh, the guy from North Carolina, the preacher. What is he? The Mark Robinson. Yeah. They constantly attack these guys. Mm. All right. Let's do some quick sports, then we'll do Crazy Town. What's going on, so All right. Let's go to the rodeo. We got to get the update on the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo Dickies Arena. Fort Worth, Texas, Big D. Let's get on. We're going right through uh, through Saturday night, so we'll have a full recap on Monday as well. But we're in bracket seven over to round two. Bareback riding. Here we go. We got uh, uh, R.C. Langdingham, 87 points on Big Raft of Rodeos. Mini. Well, that's a lot of big words for mini. Steer Wrestling. Here we go. Uh, Kyla Dick in Dickey's Arena. Three and a half seconds. Boy, you can't top that one. Team Roping. Get these scores here. Okay, we've got uh, Caleb Driggers and Junior Noguera. Four seconds flat. Good score. We know those boys. We've seen them on the on the circuit. Saddle Bronc. Uh, we got... Uh, sorry, not, bear with me. Oh, Leighton Green. 89 points on uh, for 1760. And uh, let's see. One more big D. I just, I'm running off the computer here. Uh, bull riding. Bull riding. Second round. We got uh, Maverick Potter on 89 points on 4L Rodeos. Lawless Frontier. <laughs> Uh-huh. 159,000. I'm trying, Big D. You know, <laughs> tough getting these rodeos on here. All right, well, why don't we go to something that you have in front of you? Okay, right, right here. Just... Philadelphia Eagles, Josh Sills indicted on rape and kidnapping charges. Boy, you not, talk about Super Bowl good. stories. No, not, not good, good at all. Warner Todd Houston, a Breitbart. Philadelphia Eagles lineman Josh Sills has been indicted on charges of rape and kidnapping stemming from an incident that occurred almost four years ago. Sills is being accused of the heinous crime over accusations that he attacked a woman in Guernsey County. Uh, I hope I said that right. Right. Ohio on December 5th, 2019, when Sills was in college. So uh, anyway, not not a good story. He's going to be playing in the Super Bowl up until tonight when the Eagles have suspended him and yeah. what's going on. So. All right, G, crazy town. Biden will save us from the late fees that are ruining our economy. Roll it.
Y'all ready? <laughs> all right. Stop. <clears throat> Real busy call. Thank you all for being here today as my administration uh, uh, takes on new action to lower the cost for American families. Of you what? know, I ran for president to rebuild the backbone of the country. I know you're tired of hearing me say that. That was the reason I ran. Yep. I thought it was began to, save to the build soul. the economy from the bottom up and the middle out. <laughs> it's and, uh, our economic plan is working. And it's important part of that plan is uh, promoting fair competition across the entire economy. You heard me say that capitalism without, uh, without competition isn't capitalism. It is, uh, it is uh, just simply uh, exploitation. That's why when we uh, last met in September at the council, we challenged them to come up with uh, new ways to deal with eliminate unfair hidden fees known as junk fees and that sneak up on consumers. How big is the And uh, now you can compare your choices easily to find the best deal that you want to go to. The Federal Trade Commission proposed the rule banning non-compete agreements for 30 million Americans. 30 million Americans. You uh, worked as a bellhop in one hotel. You couldn't go across the street to another hotel to be able to make a, you know, two bucks a week more or two bucks a day more. And uh, these are these contracts that say you can't do a job in the same field, even if it's a better deal, like a security guard who wants to take a job across town. I forgot what the subject is here. can't because you signed a non-compete agreement. But in the Obama-Biden administration, Congress passed the bipartisan law that said banks cannot charge late fees that are significantly more than the late payments cost them in the first place. And today, I'm also calling on Congress to pass the Junk Free Protection Act, a ban to ban four of the most frustrating charges Americans face. The first one of those is some airlines charge extra to pick your seat, including for uh, parents who just want to sit next to their child on the plane. They charge extra. You don't know that going in, though. And it's wrong. It's un- these unfair fees add up. It's a basic question of fairness. And with the help of the folks in this room, we're going to keep building an economy that's fair, economy that's competitive, and an economy that works for everyone. Look, one of the things that we all know in each of your departments, people have lost faith in government's ability to deliver. They've lost faith in the private sector and what what they advertise, that they say they're delivering. And it's about just letting people know that you know we see what's happening and it's totally appropriate to do what we're doing and it really i think is this whole idea here is we have to rebuild confidence in our ability to deliver for the american people and uh and i think that's a big chunk of what we're doing here i'm going to turn it over to brian director of national economic council great thanks mr president we're going to invite the press to leave and then we're going to move on to the agenda oh boy Good. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Okay, here we go. Oh, if, that's, if this is crazy, he's the village idiot. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. right here live from Studio 6B.